Welcome to a new episode of the Awesome Village Podcast. This is not the voice you normally hear when it begins. This is John, and with me is... Ryan. And Glenn. We don't have Greg with us this week. And already it's so much better. <laughs> you sound so much more professional. Do I? Do I? He's very common. He is. Yeah. He's very soothing. Yeah, very soothing. It's Greg's like just man. so crazy. Yeah, we, we were listening to the end of the last episode, and we had to put it at in slow motion. That's what we did, because yeah. Greg is so erratic, and, and he's full of so much energy. And we fired Greg because of all his shit, so yeah. that's why yeah. he's in here. No, Greg, Greg is, as we speak, on his way to, to, France. to France. Well, when this episode airs, he might literally be on the Eiffel Tower. He may be. Maybe in the Louvre. The Louvre. He, he may be. He might be on some crazy ride in Disneyland. Or? Yeah. He has taken his lovely wife on a trip to Paris and the surrounding areas. So we we think he's gonna come back, but yeah, since he might be, he might pull out Owen Wilson and Midnight yeah. Paris and just, I mean, just stay. So. You know, Greg fancies himself a Frenchman. He may not yeah. come back. He's a francophile, <laughs> like Michel Candy. But you're not, you're not gonna. Hear Greg. I think that's the only thing he has in common with Michel. You're Candy. not gonna hear Greg this week or next week, but uh, after that, hopefully he'll be back. At least I'm saying hopefully. Ryan might feel differently. I mean, it doesn't really matter to me. I can coordinate with him on Facebook. He can be one of those Facebook friends I uh-huh. hardly ever talk to. But that's nice. He yeah he could uh, he could zoom in once in a while. So. Yeah, why not? He could be a special guest. Yeah, former member of the village. <laughs> He's only the MC for what four years of this. <laughs> yeah, that's as long as we've been doing it. Yeah, yeah. yeah, that's all. So yeah, so what else have been going on, guys? I went to the uh, National World War Two Museum today. Oh. Yeah, so uh, tomorrow is um, me and Sandra's anniversary, and she was off today because the school she works at it was their fair. Okay. So um, we wanted to do something and. Um, Kind of, there's a, a special exhibit that's there right now about Walt Disney Studios and World War II, and it kind of combines Sandra's two favorite things. History oh, I didn't and, even hear about this. And, oh, it's really cool. It's huge, too. So, um, you know, we were going through the regular, the museum, then we went and had lunch at the American Scepter, which was really good. Did you get bologna? That's not on the menu anymore. Oh. Um, we got this baked brie that was really good, and then um, we got a, ham, a cheeseburger and a chicken sandwich, and we split them so we each had half. I think the last time I was there was when y'all took me for my birthday. Oh, well, um, this this exhibit's really cool, because when you walk in, it's a giant picture of um, Donald Duck, like, in a bomber jacket, and it kind of goes through everything Walt Disney Studios did during World War II, where um, Snow White and the Seven Dwarfs had just come out in the, in the United States, and they had just finished Dumbo, and then when Pearl Harbor happened, like, all of the European releases for all the Disney movies had to be shelved, so none of them were going to really make as much money as they should have. And because the Walt Disney Studio was on the West Coast, the U.S. government kind of took it over and turned it into, like, a military barracks. And then they contacted Walt Disney, and they asked him to um to help them with the war effort so a lot of all of his animators and filmmakers they started making these like instructional videos because they said a lot of people were going to start getting jobs with lots of machinery they had no experience in so like he made videos of like how to use a welding gun or a riveter or something like that and they, and the, he did that for a while and then I think that's probably one of his oscars that he won that there was a there was an oscar there at the exhibit, yeah, for I'm not be- surprised for best short film for um, some. It's a, like a, sh- a short uh, animated film from 1941 of Donald Duck punching Hitler in the face. Wow, that's awesome! Yeah. I want to see that. Yeah, <laughs> but um, there, there, it was a really interesting exhibit because there was all that, and then um, he, you know, they did a lot of propaganda stuff. Uh, Donald Duck was all over that place because you know he's a sailor, so they used a lot of the Disney characters to um, 
for different things like how to identify, um, you know, um, enemy aircraft to uh, different things. Like we watched a 10 minute video. They had the seven dwarfs teaching the correct way to avoid getting malaria. Um, what? Yeah. I mean, it, it was very interesting, all the stuff that they had there. And the thing that was very impressive, they had a lot of the original sketches. They, they had some animation cells, but they had a lot of original pencil sketches from the 40s that looked like they were brand new. So I don't know how they preserved these. Is things. this a, um, just a temporary exhibit? It's. They say it's temporary, but it's huge, and it's it's kind of in its own area. So it's going to be there a while. So I would, if you're in the New Orleans area, I would highly recommend checking this out. It's a lot of, it's it's very interesting. It's a lot of fun, and it's, you know, it's a lot of, kind of like, oh, I didn't know that they did that kind of thing. But it, you know, it's a, uh, it's just called Walt Disney Studios in World War Two. So it's it's at the National World War Two Museum. Nice. Well, happy anniversary, guys. Yeah. Oh, and thank you. All right. So yeah, we went to Glenn and I went to the beach last weekend. We certainly did, or to, to Gulf Shores. Yeah, Bucky's was was nice. And then it was. did you oh, go to Lambert's? No, we had, we you had never been to Paula Deen's, right? We went right? to the Paula Deen's restaurant. It was oh. really good. Paula Deen's is. Have you ever been to Paula Deen's? No, I think it it's it's fairly new, right? Yeah, a couple years. It's couple two years. years. It's in that that new. Uh, Ola, yeah, uh, I haven't been probably it's, in about four or five years to Gulf Shores. It's where that um, that area is really nice. Yeah, really it's where, it's where that there. um the 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 moonshine places the creek. Uh, the, okay, was it Murder Creek? Murder Creek, yeah. yeah. But um, yeah, Paula Deen's. Uh, this was your first time. Yeah, so. it was. It's great. I mean, you go in there, and depending on which uh, which which uh, which you pick, you you get either what two entrees, three entrees, or four or entrees, four entrees. And then um, the entrees are. What uh? It's fried chicken, fried catfish, pot roast. I think um, there's a meatloaf in there. There might be a meatloaf in there. There's a Is there chicken and dumpling. Chicken and dumpling, and I think they're breaded pork chops. Pork breaded pork chops, and then a whole bunch of side items, and it's served family style. So all it, you can eat. They'll keep bringing it down so to you. Everything that'll kill you. Yeah. And um, they don't do any to go. The only thing you can take to go is the dessert. Yeah, the but, dessert's included, and they just ask you if you want it to go. Yeah, but anything else? Because they do something with the leftovers where they give it to farms to feed the cattle or something. So, or the, the pigs. Isn't that, that's not considered forced cannibalism, like in the social network? Well, I mean, I guess it just depends on which animals yeah, you're feeding more food to. Yeah. I mean, I guess you don't give the chicken to the, the chickens or the pork to the pigs. I mean, yeah. I mean, they're animals. Oh, they're ribs. Aren't they ribs? One of the, it was ribs. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> was one of the options. But um, we got the catfish, the chicken, and the pot roast. Yeah. Because that's that's a little hack. If you go, if you get the pot roast, the pot roast comes with the buttered rice, Which so you kind so you kind of get a free side. But um, it was all delicious. Okay. And it was. We had mashed, I thought it was better than Lambert's. I mean, Lambert's is good. It's it's always good, but it's this was. It's a bold I, statement. I was glad we went there. Because well, we got the mashed potatoes, the mac and cheese, the green beans, and uh, the cheese grits. The so cheesy. I grits. guess the the question that it would probably be a deciding factor is how long did you have to wait for a damn table to get there? Ten minutes. Ten minutes. Well, then it's already a little bit better than Lambert's. And it, what's what's funny is we waited about ten minutes, but I guess they were just understaffed because more than half of the restaurant was just roped off. Like, hmm. so, it's, mean, it's, a it's, it's a big restaurant. It's a big restaurant. And um, but I mean, there's a little gift shop that we kind of browsed in yeah. while we were we waited our 10 minutes we didn't buy anything in the gift shop because we'd just been to bucky's <laughs> so which, I, I don't get the whole bucky's thing i mean I, I i didn't the first i had a terrible experience the first time which was nothing to do with the store it was just trying to leave and it took two hours to get out of the parking lot i just yeah i don't understand the that it's a destination thing for but people it's, yeah it's 
I mean, Bucky and his face is on everything. He's 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 Mickey Mouse for rednecks. Yeah, I mean, I, you're not. There was a character there doing meet and greets when we walked in. I mean, they do have good jerky, but it's like I wouldn't go out of my way. They've to... got some kind of unique snacks too, because we got like some yeah. um, everything bagel cashews that yeah, were really good. good. Yeah, and they have the brisket is good. Again, I, I don't good. dislike the store. It's just yeah. I can't believe people are so obsessed with it. But then, like up north, like they got that uh, the Wawa. I don't know if y'all heard about that. The Wawa. It's called it's W A W A Wawa. It's like a it's a gas station, but like imagine like a, a pretty decent really good new york city deli inside oh and it's like you you go in there and like you go you place your order of whatever sandwich and soup you want and you go around the store and pick out whatever chips and drinks and then get your food and it's just it was really good when i had to go for work up north they uh that that's what everybody went to and it was right there was one right by our our training site so i imagine it's kind of similar and i feel like i would enjoy not i don't say enjoy because i mean the stuff that i had at bucky's was great all the stuff we got but i find it would be better to like pass Bucky's like on if I still got to drive for another few hours and I want to stop for lunch get some snacks for the car and get like a, a brisket sandwich or something for the road yeah and it's actually pretty good if you're going if you have a condo and you get there kind of late it would be a good spot to get yeah. like stop because they serve the brisket like by the pound yeah like if you want to get some stuff and have it for dinner later on that yeah. night you and know it's cool. it's already done because like all the brisket I mean, it smelled so good but we were leaving to go to Paul Deen's right. in like 10 minutes so we didn't right. want to eat anything and of course we were starving so we bought a crap load of snacks that we probably didn't need, but they're all delicious. Yeah, and we ate them during the week. I yeah. mean, the snacks are the snacks are, the snacks are on point. Cool. Yeah. And I mean, the gift shop, it's kind of like a a really like Cracker Barrel gift shop on steroids. Yeah. <laughs> they had some funny stuff. They had a whole rack of in the kids section of little golden books, and I thought it was funny. They had a little golden book all about Willie Nelson. Oh. And then one of Betty White. Yeah. And then there was a Funko Pop section, but it was all Funko Pops of the Eternals. Yeah. Well, that's really weird. <laughs> but um, I mean, it's I, I think it's it's a it's a, if you're yeah. taking a trip, it's a fun little. I mean, as far as like a truck stop rest, you know, it's it's one of the best ones they have. Obviously, right. the bathrooms are super clean and and they're gigantic. Yeah, there's a lot of them. So, um, but like if you're on the, if you're on the road and you want a, a fresh sandwich or something, I mean, oh, yeah. and it's a good way to stretch your legs for an hour or so. Yeah. But um. But I'm with you. Like I don't. I don't know if I would go. Like, hey, let's take a road trip to Bucky's and come home. Kind yeah. Of thing. yeah. But um, we stop whenever we pass it. I but mean, they, they are apparently building one in Ruston, Louisiana. It's gonna be the first one in Louisiana. Gonna... They'll love it up in Ruston. Yeah. It'll be a destination up there. Yeah. I think it would still be closer because they're building one in Bay St. Louis too. That's gonna be closer. Yeah, Bay it's gonna be closer than Ruston. So. But um, yep. You're you're absolutely right about the redneck Disneyland, though. Yes, yeah, it is absolutely. All right, all right. So, guys, we saw the season three finale of The Mandalorian this week. Or yep. Last week. Yeah. Yeah. So this Thoughts? was so for well, I would admit is kind of an uneven season. Yeah. I thought the ending was pretty good. I mean, it actually would have worked as a series finale. Absolutely. Without giving out away any spoilers, I mean. The everything the the whole plot line came to a satisfying conclusion. Yeah. I would say. I mean, they didn't. Or even if they wanted to do something like they do with some of these shows, where they want to just like like a Sherlock type thing, where they might just put it off for five years before they do another season of it. Right. It would work like that as well. I mean, they they actually set it up where because you know we talked about last time how Dave Filoni's doing the the movie like the Mandalorian shared universe film that's supposed to come out I think in twenty twenty six twenty twenty seven. I mean, I could see if, like, Din and Grogu, if they 
I mean, they could, in essence, wait and come back to the movie. They probably won't, but, I mean, they yeah. could if they wanted to. Yeah. So, um, Didn't they say there's going to be at least one more season? And then it's going to oh, be... Oh, yes. John Favreau said season four was already written. So, um, But, I mean, who's to say that the characters are the... Like, yeah. Because they, they did make a point to saying the show is called The Mandalorian. It's not called Den and Grogu, where it could follow another Mandalorian, which the season kind of did. Yeah, it followed, yeah. It was kind of, a lot yeah, I think uh, your description at the beginning is very. It was a very uneven season with a good ending. Um, it had one of the worst episodes in the middle somewhere that I've, I think they've ever done in Star Wars. The, what the Lizza? Yes, Lizzo? that was the, the, the Lizza Orion. That was <laughs> god awful uh, episode. But I mean, overall, I didn't think it was bad. Um, it wasn't nearly as good as the first two seasons, but the finale was really good. I mean, they did do that Star Wars thing where you think one character might be dead, but if there's no body, are they really dead? I don't know. Yep. So I mean, that's, I mean, you say it's a Star Wars thing. That's just kind that's of that's true. It's anything, but yeah. I mean, you could say that for any kind of genre material, but um, yeah, I, I, like I said, the, and the one thing I will say that the last two two episodes, you think would have played better if it was a movie if, or it was like a big a, a longer like a if they were together like. You know how sometimes they'll do two episodes back to back. Maybe I don't know because that last episode was only thirty eight minutes, and I don't know if I, I was just spoiled from another show that we're going to talk about later doing these hour long episodes every week. And I guess Mandalorian never really did that, but I think if I'm not mistaken, I want to say the one that was the longest was the bad one. Because uh, Mandalorian's episodes they could range from like thirty something minutes to fifty something minutes. They yeah. just sort of do yeah. what they want. Well, because that one with Jack Black and Lizzo, it kind of, they had, it, it was weird because it was almost like two or three stories put together. Yeah, and it was, is it was really cheesy, some of it, but, like, the episode was to serve purpose. Like, it, there was, there was reasons why that stuff had to happen, even though it was kind of stupid stuff. Well, it was silly, and, and honestly, it reminded me a lot of a live-action episode of The Clone Wars, like the little good cop, bad cop investigation they were doing with the droids. That was something, yeah. like... I, I could completely see in Clone Wars, Anakin and Obi-Wan on that exact same mission. I'm fine with that for a 20-minute animated and, show. Uh, not... But honestly, if you think about the them time, their time on that planet, because it opened with that little, them on the on the ship, then they get to the planet, they meet Jack Black and, and Lizzo, they go on their little mission, and then after that, they go and they talk to the Mandalorians. So, the whole part on the with the, the this weird royal family probably was only about 20 minutes 20 minutes too long <laughs> but um and, and, and honestly i'm not completely disagreeing with you i think lizzo she's she's a fine musician and that great actress she is not i mean I didn't, her acting didn't bother me the, the whole episode kind of <laughs> yeah. bothered me but i mean it, to me it was like it, it's one of those things where it was bad but it served a purpose and i mean it's kind of like the jar jar on the gungans thing i mean mm. it was stupid but there was a reason it was in the movie Right. I mean, I'm not going to stop watching it just right. because no, one kind of divisive episode. Um, but yeah, there was that. I mean, there was the one episode that took place more on Coruscant that was, it seemed like, it kind of borrowed tone-wise from Andor a little. And then the finale was like a, like the, the two-part finale was a fun little adventure. Yeah. So. I mean, I do like that we got Coruscant so heavy yeah. in this one. And those... Um, the uh, what you call it, Praetorian guards. That was pretty cool. That yeah. was yeah. Shout out to Last Jedi. <laughs> <laughs> and we got um. We don't have to have an argument. <laughs> I know, right? Thank and we God, got Greg's we got gone. Hux's dad, played by um, Donald what, his brother. brother. Yeah. 
good stuff. So yeah, so it's yeah, so yeah, it's it's cool. It's yeah. it's all the, the whole season's on Disney Plus now. And what's so. what's the next Star Wars show coming up? Ahsoka. Ahsoka's the next one coming up. In a month or so, right? It's in I thought it was in August. Is it really? Oh god, the end of summer? Yeah, I think it's in August. Oh man, okay. That's the next one. All right. So from the wars to the trek. Picard. I haven't watched this, so well, you guys can talk about this Picard ending that I'm seeing all over Facebook everywhere. Yeah, Everybody's so about here's the thing. Like, uh, I mean, we may have talked about this when it first came out. You guys told me that I did not need to see season two in order to watch season three because I hated the way season one ended. Now, I have gone back and watched season two of Picard. You watched the whole thing? I did. Okay. And, oh, my God, did it suck. Like, I, it was so bad, I don't know how they ever greenlit doing a third season. Well, it was kind of a soft reboot. then. <laughs> It was bad. Like, I, I didn't enjoy it at all. Again, season two, as I told you, I thought it started pretty strong. But then there were so many, like, weird subplots that didn't go anywhere and, with weird characters. Yeah, and, and I didn't like how, what they did to Q. They made him sort of weak. And I, I just think with the whole plot of what he was doing just made no sense to me, it really. It didn't really make sense. And they had a lot of things where, like, I don't know, it was inconsistent. Like... But anyway, it was bad. But then, but, that, but see, we're that was that. And yeah, you really don't need to see season two um, to to watch Picard season three. Which, I mean, it might be one of the better single seasons of anything I've ever seen uh, of a show in a long time. Maybe since Cobra Kai season one, like it was that good. Every episode was just on the edge of your seat. And I mean, I know they're like with the fact that they're legacy characters nowadays. You just don't know if they're going to get them killed off. So like, it added tension. Because they put them in these perilous situations. But, man, seeing the whole next-gen cast, I didn't expect to, it to be as emotional as it was. It was just everything. And and I didn't really realize, like, it was the second-to-last episode when we got kind of the eighth ca- ca- character that of the Enterprise when that came back. Yes. I didn't expect a television set to have, bring that those emotions out of me. But, um... I mean, this, it, it's a master class, this show. This, well, this season, I will say. This season of Picard, I, this is the best Star Trek I've seen in decades. It's the best Star Trek se- series I've ever seen. That's one season. But I will say this. Um, the the grand master uh, plan of the, the villains in this one, and I'll forgive this, this small thing. I just find it very hard to believe that Star Trek would agree to the computer system they were implementing Knowing what you know, certain villains have the capabilities of accomplishing. Like, why would they synchronize their entire fleet? Makes no sense to me. But then again, and I mean, we, this isn't really a spoiler because we had talked about this before. How the Federation was kind of infiltrated by the Changelings, right? And in, in kind of higher positions of power. And I mean, it might be kind of a commentary on some things going on right now, where if you get some wonky people, powerful people with some weird ideas. People kind of go along with it. Well, I will say this: like they, for when I, when their plan they first announced when Frontier Day is starting, what they were doing, um, and I, I remember thinking, why would they do this? Picard, I believe it was Picard himself who makes a comment saying something to the effect of, "I can't believe Admiral Shelby would agree to something like yeah. this." No, well, her and then remember when they first introduced um, when Lavar Burton first showed up as Jordy, he's like, "I can't believe they're doing this. I've been telling them for months not to do this." And yeah, so not listening to well. They did. I'll give it to this. They did acknowledge it that it's a bad idea, and some of the characters. So I was fine with it. 
But I don't know what else. I, I don't. I mean, Glenn, you're more of a Star Trek person than I am. I don't know how to verbalize how good this was. Like I said, I just I've been you know I've been keeping up with it. I've watched all the shows except for Prodigy. I've never really watched Prodigy. That's the Nickelodeon show. Um, but the um, Lower Decks, Discovery, all of the, and as for Picard, it's a, so I know like I was reading some behind the scenes things about how the show initially got greenlit and how because Patrick Stewart for years has been turning this down, not wanting to reprise this role, and they eventually pretty much gave him a lot of creative control over the first two seasons, and he said like his number his his two things that he would not do is he didn't want to wear he didn't want anyone to wear star starfleet uniforms other than like in flashbacks and he wanted no enterprise and then apparently a lot of the stuff from season two was all from him uh because he wanted to um highlight some um issues he he thought needed to be some like um mental health issues and stuff that he wanted to highlight which i don't know i didn't Thought I didn't think I didn't think about mental health one time watching season two exactly, but well, the stuff with his mother I, and stuff oh, like I guess. that. But um, I mean, it's just sort of it was inconsistent from what they had set up how Earth was, and I don't know. I just season two didn't work, and yeah. season three we and, get. and it was almost like season three they had to almost prove. I hate to say it, but they had to prove Patrick Stewart was wrong. <laughs> well, they, and, they did, and when they kind of ignored him and brought it back the rest of the cast because he even talked about how he personally called all the rest of the cast and said so they're bringing back i'm doing the show as picard but no one else is coming back kind of thing and he apologized you know he kind of had to apologize to everyone and now that everyone came back like you said it was very emotional every time because the way it built up where each episode almost like another another cast member got reintroduced. Yeah, but they did it in a, in a clever way where it didn't seem like from one episode to the next. It was like, okay, this is the episode we get Jordy. This is the episode we get Marina Sir. It wasn't like that. Right. Like, it just followed the story, and then they just sort of popped up as it went along. And I mean, it was an ongoing mystery with a couple of plot lines that connected, and it seemed... It flowed very well, and it was just like, okay, and it would make sense where jo- Jordy being where he was, and that they would go there... For help and and I will say the guy Ed Spaliers that played Jack Crusher, he was good. He was great. Like I've I've been hearing people say that he should be a Doctor Who. I think he should. He could be James Bond <laughs> if they wanted to go younger. Yeah, I'm about to say Bond. he is young, but I mean, if they wanted to go really young with Bond, yeah. I guess I could think he could pull it off. But the um, I don't know. I was extremely impressed with the season. It was now I will say if you're looking for like standalone episodes like Next Generation did that this did not do that. This was more of like a 10 hour movie. Yeah. Cause it was one long adventure. Epic space battles, teleportation weapons, uh, call changelings. And then, and one thing I will say, a lot of people use the word fan service as a bad thing. I think this seasons in particularly shows how to do fan service and not have it be a bad thing. Because for example, minor, minor spoiler from the beginning of the finale, there's a message from the president of earth saying basically, don't come here. Yeah. And it's Walter Koenig from the original series. Oh, was it? Yeah. I didn't even know that. And it was Anton Chekhov. And he said how his dad always said there were always possibilities. And Anton is a callback to Anton Yelchin, who died, you know, who played Chekhov in the J.J. Abrams movies. But it's like, that was a cool Easter egg. But even if you had never watched Star Trek before, it was just the president of Earth giving a warning. So it, yeah, I didn't it, even pick it, up on that. So it wasn't like 
out of left field kind yeah. of thing. But if you knew, it was like, oh, that's really cool that they did that. And this season was littered with that stuff. So I would, I loved every minute of it. I could definitely see revisiting this season multiple times. Cool. cool. And Ryan, you watch Strange New Worlds as well? Yeah. Um, I, I liked it. Um, I didn't love it. Like, I mean, a lot of Star Trek fans love it. Um, I, I, I've said before, I just have a problem with Star Trek constantly going back, telling stories in their past history. So this is takes place before Kirk became captain of the Enterprise, and Pike is is the captain with Spock on board, which is how the original series started. Um, it's fine. I mean, it, it's good. I didn't like that there were no Klingons in this season, which I heard I saw in the new trailer for season two. They they fixed that. Um, the but Glenn had told me um, about the finale, and the finale was fantastic. That was the best episode of the whole season. Um, I, if you're a Star Trek fan, you'll like Strange New Worlds. It's right in line with that. I feel like Picard season three could cross over to anyone who, if they decided to watch it. They could, they would love it. Strange New Worlds, maybe not so much. All right, and they're both on Paramount Plus. Yep, so. cool. And speaking of a Strange New World, Glenn also has watched Twelve Monkeys. All right, so this, all right, so this is going. This isn't a new show. So, um, and I will say, so I was so impressed with the way season three of Picard came out. I looked at the new showrunner, because season three had a new showrunner than the first two seasons. This guy, Terry Metalis. And I was so impressed. I'm like, what else has this guy done? And apparently he got his big break, his first big thing that he ran by himself was Sci-Fi Channel did a a TV series based on the film 12 Monkeys. And it ran for four years. Really? Yeah. Jesus. And a lot of actors from 12 Monkeys appeared in Picard. Um, like the, um, it's, uh, the, the, the star, the one that plays the, um, the Cole, the Bruce Willis part from the movie, he's the one from the X-Men films that played, uh, Pyro. Yeah. Do you remember that guy? Yeah. Um, so, and, um, the one, uh, the brunette from Schitt's Creek that played, um, Stevie, Stevie she's the Brad Pitt character. Um, really? Yeah. Um, and the show is really cool. Like it does a good job of. How far did you get? Uh, Probably about seven or eight episodes in. Into season one? Yeah. It's very... It's it's not quite as confusing, because 12 Monkeys could be quite a task to sit down it's and It's very confusing, and it's very dark. Like, yeah. is, is this show as dark as that it, movie? I mean, it's pretty it's pretty bleak, because it's... I mean, the whole thing, the, the, the our main character, it's in the future, this plague is wiped out, a lot of the planet's population, people living underground... There are all these, like, it gets into a little Walking Dead territory where there are all these scavengers and raiders and groups running around. And um, uh, Cole gets recruited by the scientist who found this, um, basically a time travel machine. And she's sending him back to try to find the origins of the virus. And it's kind of bouncing around where he, in the, the pilot episode, this isn't really giving anything away. He tracks down the scientist that is kind of, infamous and the one that created this plague and he finds him and and kills him at the end of the the pilot episode and he's waiting to disappear because the future is going to be rewritten and nothing happens and he's like well what the hell and then they figure someone else must have picked up his research and then it becomes like kind of a mystery him trying to figure out who would have continued this guy's research well that's just like in terminator 2 and but but then like he ends up finding the quote-unquote Brad Pitt character in the mental hospital, and it's this character's daughter. 
and there's this whole thing about this army of the 12 monkeys that's not from the Brad Pitt movie where it's just a bunch of crazy environmentalists. It's an actual army they're looking to wipe out the, the earth and it's it's a cool show like it, it bounces and it's very easy to follow on like 12 monkeys just because every time he time jumps like old graphic will show up showing exactly what year he is and where he is and oh, so it doesn't stuff. just pop up in like world war one like in the movie and, <laughs> right and, which and, and the and next they, scene he's like in a city do, and they do make mistakes kind of like in the movie where they're like all right we're gonna send you to 1995 in this certain spot and then it's like three years before and he's like you know the people that he's looking for they're not where he says so it gets a little bit almost almost like Inception, where it's uh, sci-fi. Did y'all mystery. like Twelve Monkeys the movie? Oh, I really, I, did. I really like Twelve. It's Monkeys. been a long time since I've seen it, but I, I really. Liked I thought it. the trailer was the best part. Of the movie. <laughs> but the um, this is a cool show. It's all it's all on Hulu now. I mean, it ran for four years. Um, it, like I said, a lot of Terry Metalis worked with a lot of people that he brought over to season three of Picard with him. Um, Kirk Acevedo, he's in it. He was in Fringe. He he, which he played a, a Vulcan gangster in, in Picard. Oh yeah, I know you're talking yeah, about. Yeah, uh, which he he's pretty cool. Um, and in fact, the the, the star of um, Twelve Monkeys, like I said, he was Pyro, and he was a um, he was a Ferengi guy that Worf cut the, cut his head off. Yeah. So I mean, it it was just fun watching it and seeing all the the, the kind of crossover references. But um, I, like I said, I think it's cool if you if you like sci-fi and time travel and stuff and like kind of head trippy stuff, it's cool. Um, it's like I said, it's all on uh, Hulu now. Cool. So I started watching a new show with my wife yesterday. Um, that's new on Peacock. That's called Mrs. Davis, and it's it's not about Glenn's wife or mother. Um, <laughs> Who are both Mrs. Davis? Though. We watched two episodes of it, and we're very intrigued by the show. It's really weird, but not not hard to follow. Just really weird. And it's about this woman who is a nun, and in her spare time, she likes to go around and and she goes after these guys that are these. There's a lot of magicians apparently in this time where they're former like Vegas magicians that now have just become con artists. And she goes into like her father used to be a magician, so she likes to, you know, go and try to blow, blow up their schemes and stuff like that, and. Also in this time period, she stays completely off the grid because there is a artificial intelligence that has basically taken over the world in what seems to be a good way because it just does it it's it has grown so much that it it understands everyone, it understands what everyone wants. There's no more war, there's no more famine, any of this stuff, but she does not trust it because, you know, when have we ever wanted to Because she's because she saw Terminator 2. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> And so is it, is it almost like Wally? I was about to say it kind of likes maybe, like Wally. Maybe a little bit, but it's well, it's very just kind of out there, and it's it's kind of I don't know. Did y'all? Neither one of y'all watched Hunters, did you? Mm-hmm. Oh, with Pacino? Yeah, I watched the first season. It, it I never saw this. Me of that a little bit. It, it can be kind of violent in different in different parts, and um, there's all this is going on in this this uh, this artificial intelligence who is known as Mrs. Davis, and everybody always refers to it as she. Everybody's always got a little earpiece in, and they'll just, people randomly walk up to her and be like, she wants to talk to you, can she talk Because she's, she is trying to find this, this woman that's a nun, because she wants to talk to her. And so we, is it, question, is it like the movie Her, where everyone has the little boxes, or, or is, no, it, or is it just? it's just, they have like a little earpiece. And oh, it's, and, and, it, and, and it's Mrs. Davis controlling everyone. Yeah, controlling everyone, and just, but just telling everybody what to do, and, Telling people what what they can do, and and it's you know 
trying to find to, trying to make everybody happy. And it's but it's very strange. And it also starts off with this scene of this convent. Uh, the bunch of people get burned at the stake in this convent back years, years, hundreds of years ago. And these guys go into the convent in in France, and they're trying to find the Holy Grail. And these nuns that are there. They say they're not hiding it, and all of a sudden this big bloodbath ensues because it turns out they say, you know, we know that you've all been talking to the Knights Templar, and they come out and say, no, we are the Knights Templar, and they just start fighting. And The and nuns? The nuns. And one of the nuns escapes with this thing, and basically Mrs. Davis, this artificial intelligence, wants to track down this, this nun who doesn't want anything to do with her so that she can find the Holy Grail. This is crazy. It's, it's so bizarre and... So it's a uh, like my telling of this is probably weird because it's it's so weird. Weird things just keep happening. So so it's a uh, artificial intelligence, kind of like the main villain from from uh, iRobot. Yeah, who's trying to find the Holy Grail? Yeah, that's held by a nun that's a descendant of the Knights Templar. Yeah, this is some drug trippy. It is. What, it really what, uh, is. Where is this at? It's on Peacock. Peacock. And it's the and the star of it that plays it on it's Betty Gilpin, who was the star of Glow. Oh yeah, uh, uh, the she, main girl. The no, big, the, the blonde. The, the, the blonde. blonde. Okay, yeah. Like one of the one of the two main. I, I know what you're talking about. Glow, yeah. Um, she was in that uh, that hunt me yes. movie. Yeah. I can't remember. That I can't remember the name of it either. And the the show I looked it up. It was created by Damon Lindelof. Damon Lindelof. Yeah. Yeah. I think it's eight episodes. And okay. I think I told you, and I think the first four dropped, and then it's going to be one one a week. That is certainly a inventive plot. But yeah, me and my wife, like after the second episode, and we were like. This is so weird, but I like I I want to know what's gonna happen next because mm. I have no idea what's gonna happen next. It's like I don't see where it's going exactly. Sometimes that's kind of cool. Yeah, and there's a and there's a weird underground that's trying to help her avoid this artificial intelligence. That and it's like this guy that used to be a boyfriend of hers is in it, and it's they're just kind of goofy. And um, so is it like Demolition Man where they don't want to be part of the perfect kinda, society? Kinda, kinda, yeah. But uh, I would recommend it at least. I mean, like I said, I'm only two episodes in. I mean, it may go to shit pretty quick. But so far, I was I'm kind of stuck on it. Rat burgers. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, yeah. So, that could be the title of this episode. <laughs> so, so, from other, uh, the other thing Ryan has watched is the Waco aftermath, which is not going to be anything like Mrs. Davis. I don't think. No. I've um, seen the, the original Waco, which. That was a Paramount. It was network. on Paramount Network. Now it's on uh, Paramount Plus and Showtime has Showtime. been airing it. So the the Waco the aftermath is on Showtime and also on Paramount Plus. So it is pretty much starts not very long after the the Waco assault, and uh, it picks up where some members of the Branch Davidians are on trial, and the character played by Michael Shannon. Don't oh, you good. Buddy. Don't hurt me. Gary Nesmith, I think his name is. He is still working with the FBI, but he's still dealing with like the same characters. The guy who was the head of the the FBI, I think it was the HTF, whatever the hell it was. The but uh, the one who was at Waco, like insisting on on assaulting them. Oh, the, the ATF. Yeah, not not. Well, he wasn't with the ATF. He was with the FBI. Okay. He was the one who was sort of responsible for, in the in the show about the Ruby Ridge tragedy. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. But he's back. John Leguizamo's back. And um, they're basically going back and forth about how Waco has sort of galvanized militias across the country to sort of come together to be about anti-government. And Is Rory Culkin in it? 
Is he? I know he was like one of the one. That he, his character is timid, though. Tibid. Yeah, he, he he's not in it yet. I've only watched the first episode. The second one just aired. Um, his character hasn't appeared. Um, is not on trial, so I don't know. The the Waco ended with him in the courtroom, so I wonder if maybe he had a plea deal or something, and maybe he's, he didn't actually go to trial because these Branch Davidians who are on trial are pretty much saying that they're innocent. So I don't know if Thibodeau said he was guilty and took a. Very well, might because the actual Thibodeau was on that documentary, right? So I don't and know he what, wasn't in jail. I mean, I, I don't know what the, his deal was. I didn't look into it, but um, it's sort of setting the stage for some really horrible stuff that could be coming. Um, I mean, we know about eventually the Oklahoma City bombing, but Timothy McVeigh's character um, is loosely introduced in this first episode, and they also start to tell a bit of the backstory of David Koresh. And which the the Netflix documentary dives into, where he did he wasn't like the like he didn't just show up in the in the desert and start this group. It was a group that had been there for decades that he went to join, and eventually took control over. So it actually shows when he first arrives. And Taylor Kish is in. No, it's uh-huh. a, a younger guy. Taylor Kish is still an executive producer of the show, so they they recast it because he's younger. Uh-huh. Um, and that's pretty fascinating to see David Koresh not really the charismatic leader that he was in the in Waco just as a young kid trying to find himself and memorizing the Bible and blowing people away. Um, it's a really good show to start. I don't know how many episodes it's going to be. I mean, I think Waco was like five or six. I, and Taylor Kish was awesome. Though. He was really yeah. good. So I don't I imagine this one will probably be about the same. It's another limited series. But uh, it's on Showtime and Paramount Plus. It's excellent. I'm definitely going to check that out. And from one cult to the cult that I'm thinking about joining, the cult of Ted Lasso. Oh yeah, so we had. I mean, we're, we're about we're about, halfway through, we're about halfway through, and we had a. Uh, I don't know how you describe these episodes that Ted Lasso keeps doing. This is almost like a standalone episode. Like, a, like yeah, they're uh, they go to Amsterdam for a friendly match against yeah against Ajax. Ajax and the coach just decides because they've been they're having a bad time there. Their big star player who they just acquired quit to go retire and tend to his avocado farm. <laughs> so. He basically says everybody they have the night off in Amsterdam. They can go no, do whatever. No curfew. No curfew. Do whatever you want in Amsterdam and just come back in the morning. And that's what this whole episode is. They they all just splinter off and go do different things. Um, I don't know whose story I enjoyed the most, but I completely didn't realize till the very end. I found it funny that we followed every character except Coach Beard. Yeah. And then his story. By the time I would want to know what the hell he did because he yeah. showed up dressed as a pig. Yeah. <laughs> But uh, it was really good. Like, this this season is... I mean, it, the whole show is so good. Well, he wasn't just dressed like a pig. He was dressed like David Bowie as Ziggy Stardust as Ziggy, yeah. with a pig face. And he said his character was Piggy Stardust. Yeah. <laughs> we, we, and we don't know how he got to that. Because he got out of, like, this VW van with, like, all these other, like, hippie-looking people. Yeah. Um, and Ted thinks he might have done drugs and was getting all these crazy ideas, but... Turns out he might not have done drugs, so we don't know what the hell was wrong with him. he goes into this Australian-American restaurant. Which was like a a little nod to Pulp Fiction. Yeah, kind of. I thought Rebecca's story was hilarious with with that that guy who saved her from drowning or whatever. Uh, The show is just so great. Um, And Roy and Jamie go off to train and... Look look for windmills. Look for windmills. Um, It's it's such a great show. I don't know where it's going. Like, you'd think these kind of shows would lead to them winning the championship or something, but I don't know. Yeah. I really have no idea where they're I'm going not, with this. I just, I love this show, and it just, I don't know, I feel like if ever I'm in a bad mood, I can put on an episode of Ted Lasso, and it puts me in a great mood. Very much. It's such a great show. 
But yeah, we'll get back to that again. You know, towards the end of the season. After the end of yeah, I think we got about six more to go. And it's still – I know they said originally that it was only going to be the three seasons, but it seems like it's kind of up in the air right now. I have a feeling if they do anything else, it might be spinoff-wise. Yeah. And this might be the end of the, the story of Ted coming to England. Yeah. Well, I know before – I don't know if they've changed, but they said that after this season. If they – there was an idea for a fourth season, but Jason Sudeikis was going to be the only one returning. Yeah. So. Which that would make me sad. I mean, I love his character, obviously, but – all the other characters are, are so great. So, all right. So that's kind of all the TV we'll watch. So some movies. Ryan, you finally got to see the Super Mario Brothers. Movie. I did. Uh, I was about a week late. Uh, finally going to see Super Mario Brothers. It's um, all right. It's still making a killing at the box office. Yeah. Apparently, everybody's going back to see it. Um, it was really good. Like, I, uh, I mean, I still play Super Mario Brothers, um, the like Mario Party game all the time, and uh, I went to go. Me and my fiance went played the game again, like after the movie. And I just I kept always like it's amazing how they made the characters look just like this game. Like one of the things I hated about Transformers was that they didn't look like what you saw in in the cartoons. They just looked like weird mechanical parts put together. And it's just such a enjoyable film. Um, I did think it would be funny. I mean, I had an idea that with Bowser's hilarious obsession with Peach, if I mean they're going to do a sequel. I think it would be funny if he's just obsessed with a new princess every movie. Like he sings a song for Daisy or Rosaline and all these different princesses that are in the Mario Brothers franchises. So do you think they bring Wario into the next They're going to have to bring Wario and Waluigi. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, there's, there's a bunch of characters they could still... It's uh, going to be curious to see who they vo- get to voice Wario. Man, I don't know. Jack Black stole the movie as oh, Bowser. Absolutely. And did you find... I mean, I know there's just a lot of talk about Chris Pratt being Mario... There were so many other voices in it. Like, 20 minutes ago, I forgot it was even Chris Pratt. I didn't even know it. I mean, I knew it was him, but I didn't, like, listen to him and think, that sounds like Chris Pratt. Now, Char- now Charlie Day was just Charlie Day. I yeah. Mean, and, but Which what, was fine. It fit the character. What I thought was kind of funny was Charlie Day played Lu- Luigi, and Keegan-Michael Key played Toad, but the voice that he used for Toad sounded exactly like Charlie Day. Yeah. <laughs> so it's like, you could have just got Charlie Day to play that part. Hmm. But, but, yeah, I mean, it's it was a great movie, and I'm, I'm very much looking forward to sequels of those movies. It's my. It's got you know me and Glenn with our. It's got our our kids who are six are now all of a sudden obsessed with Super yeah. Mario. Yeah, I probably yeah. give it like an eight point eight. Yeah, good stuff. Very good stuff. So yeah, we talked. Glenn and I talked about earlier how we went on this beach trip. So, so we got to set this up. So <laughs> we, we, we kind of we had a triple feature kind yeah. of because so, we we kind of had a rainy day. We had a rainy day. Yeah, yeah. it started out nice and it got a little. It got kind of cold because the yeah. wind was blowing hard, and then by about three o'clock. Or maybe even a little bit before that. The, the storm the, rolled in. The storm in. rolled in. So we were we were just kind of condo bound. And we had... Uh, Netflix was just on, I think, that morning because the kids had been watching something. They and, watched some movie about the... the what, um, Remember, Christian Slater was in it. Yeah, it was some weird thing about, the, about, chup- the, about it, the chupacabra. It was about a chupacabra. <laughs> okay. Some, it's and, some, and, some new thing. And it was directed by Alfonso Cuaron's son? Yeah. Or something? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Is it just called Chupa? I think it was just called Chupa. I think yeah. that was it. So yeah, we, they we watched. Didn't really see that? We just yeah. kind of saw bits and pieces. Yeah, of they it. watched Chupa. So, we noticed Christian Slater kind of dressed like Indiana Jones. But and when it ended, it. you know, because after you watch a movie about the Chupacabra, you have to watch the Legend of Zorro, or the, 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 mask. Mask, the Mask of Zorro with Antonio Banderas. Because that's what Netflix Cle- suggests. Clearly, that's what you have to watch next. Yeah. So it came on, and Glenn and I just looked at each other like, "Well, let's, let's just watch this because it's awesome." That's <laughs> so very underrated 
night late nineties action yeah. film. I think. So um, everybody else was kind of taking afternoon naps. We watched it. I did actually go take a nap for about forty minutes in the middle of it, but I I watched the beginning of it. And I came and watched watched the the second hey, half. Hey Glenn, how, how does a sword work? The pointy end goes into the other man. Appreciate that. Yeah. No problem. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, we watched that. And how then, awesome was Anthony Hopkins as the first Zorro? By the way, he was. He was. Very <laughs> So, yeah, so the first movie of our triple feature that we watched was The Mask of Zorro. Mask of Zorro, and Antonio Mendoza. And then when that ended, it recommended, of course, you have to watch Twins with Arnold Schwarzenegger. What, what the hell was Netflix thinking? That I don't day? know. In, in, in New Us, I guess. So, yeah, I guess. So we watched Twins. We saw Heather Graham as their mother at the beginning, yeah. all the way to Arnold knocking that door completely off the hinges. <laughs> That's that's the best part of the movie right there is when he just kicks that door right off the hinges. Or when he lifts the car up so it thinks it's being towed in the... The alarm goes. Or when he explains the third rule in the crisis situation is to duck. And why was all that <laughs> chain up there? Yeah, that never... was so much chain. <laughs> and whatever happened to David Caruso, the, the car thief. Uh, yeah. Man, he so, joined the New York Police Department. <laughs> he, so, he saw the error of his yeah. way. So after that, it's Beat Root McKinley. It was about 9.30 at night, I guess, at this point. And I didn't even know if we were going to watch anything else. And then everybody had kind of come back, and we all had a, kind of a late dinner. And everybody comes back in. And all of a sudden, one of the wives, and then all the other the other two wives agreed on this. They said, we got to watch 80 for Brady. And I was like, do we? <laughs> <laughs> they were very excited. They were very excited to watch this. And, and then, honestly, and me and you just said, all right, we'll watch it because we could talk about it, on, about it on our podcast. show. Yeah. So, so this is about a bunch of 80-year-old women trying to meet Tom well, Brady? It's a it's a group, and there's actually a reference to this a lot. Sally Field always corrects them because she's still in her 70s. And she, on the back of her, because they all have jerseys that say 80 for Brady on the back, and on the back of hers, she's got a line through the 80 that says 70 on the back of it. Okay. So this takes place the, um, what year was it? It's, it, was, it was the year that they 28 to 3. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So um, it's uh, the, the star, it's Sally Field. Sally Field, Jane Fonda, Jane Fonda, Rita Moreno, and Lily Tomlin. And Lily Tomlin's kind of the the main character, I yeah. guess, because the 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 plot it's about she had cancer, yeah. and they're all her best friends because it didn't seem like she had a whole lot of family, and they're helping her with her cancer treatment. And she's got her one daughter who's played by oh, it's um from Roseanne um yeah, what's the daughter Darlene's, from, Darlene's Darlene's from Roseanne. Sarah Gilbert? Sarah yeah, Gilbert. that's Thank you. That, that's her. She plays um, her daughter. She plays the daughter, and um, basically they're they're all diehard Patriots fans. And they well, they kind of become because they they look, remember they go to her house and the Patriots game is coming on and they can't find the remote. Yeah. So <laughs> they're looking for the remote, and as they're looking for the remote, the Patriots game comes on, and this is while she's going through the cancer treatment, and I think it was. Tom Brady was he a rookie that year? When no. Oh well. Oh, no, no. no. Oh, the be- oh yeah. Okay. The flash. The flashback. Oh, I got the flashback. So they're trying to find the remote because they don't care about football, and they all look up and they see Tom Brady, and they're like, "Oh, this man is beautiful," and they become hardcore Patriots fans because of Tom yeah. Brady. So, and basically, the flash forward: she has had cancer; it was in remission. She's just had some more tests done, and a call has come in from her doctor, and she's scared to answer it. So she. Gets these tickets somehow. I can't even remember. I don't want to get too much into that. But she gets these tickets to the Super Bowl. Well, they're trying to win them from a concert. Or a, concert a contest. And uh, anyway, she gets these tickets. So her, because she's assuming she's got cancer. And she wants her and her best friends to go on this last hurrah to actually go to the Super Bowl. And it was in Brady. Houston. At the... And it was in Houston. Yeah. So it's all about these old ladies that go on this trip. It sounds a little similar to Last Vegas. 
storyline wise. Yeah, for but this is for 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 the women. Yeah. yeah. And they all get into a little they get into some ballyhoo. Yeah. When they get to the Super Bowl, some tomfoolery. Uh, yeah, some of one of them uh, like like for example, and I think this is in the trailer, so it's not giving away any spoilers. Um, Sally Field, they're at the NFL Experience, and she's hungry, and she's like, "I really feel like barbecue." And they're like, "Well, we're not hungry." She's like, "Well, I'm gonna go find some barbecue to eat." And she walks out, and she goes up to the food truck, and she's like, "I'd like some barbecue." And they're like, "Oh, well, we're just uh, you know, we're doing chicken wings." And she's like, "Oh, I'll do chicken wings." And they're like. Well, this is a contest where, you know, if you could handle spice, we'll put you into the contest. And she's like, but I'm just really hungry. And they're like, well, if you sign this waiver, you could be in our, our chicken wing eating contest. And it's hosted by Guy Fieri. Oh, so Guy Fieri comes out and she she's up there with all the, the big dudes that are eating the chicken wings. And they're so spicy, they're literally dumping their heads into milk. And she's just eating them. And, she, and he's like... Man, you eating all the food off, all the meat off of that bone, and she's like, "Well, I'm just really hungry because I just wanted some. I wanted dinner." Okay. And yeah. spoiler alert: she wins the contest. And Guy Fieri becomes a, kind of a major character in the in the in the movie. Yes, but she, I will say, she does say that's the smartest thing that anybody would ever say in that situation when they say, "Who do you want us to call if you because of all the spice you pass out?" And she's just call the hospital. Yeah. <laughs> like that's. It's actually very intelligent, Sally Field. Way to go. Right. But then, like, Jane Fonda, her character, she's some sort of... She writes erotic novels about Gronk. Gronk she writes Gronk, Gronkowski erotica. Yeah. Gronk, there's nothing erotic about Rob Gronkowski. Tide Pods. <laughs> um, what else could we say about this film? Um, they go to a big party and do edibles. Oh, yeah, with um, uh, Hamlin. Um, with, with Harry oh, Hamlin. Harry, Harry Hamlin's in it. He plays just some made-up former Patriots player. Who's that he said, well, he said most of his career was with the Raiders. The Raiders, but he did win a Super Bowl with the Patriots. Years before. Yeah. So um, he hooks up with Jane Fonda. Of course. Of course. Um, As one would. And then they're all at the infamous Super Bowl and the Patriots are doing badly. And You know, the Patriots' first Super Bowl was when Brady was a rookie, just FYI yeah. for yeah. the story here. Yeah. I don't think that guy was that old then. Well, whatever. Well, this is a, you know, we're in the multiverse saga. I yeah. guess. So... And the one thing I learned from this movie, though, is apparently um, football stadiums, especially during the Super Bowl, have really terrible security. Of course. <laughs> well, they're, the be- I mean, they're, they're kind of the villains of the movie. I mean, they can get into whatever seats they want to sit in. They can go into, you know, into the, the, the luxury boxes. They can get into, you know, where the, uh, the defensive off- offensive coordinators are, the little room that they're in up there. They can get into all that stuff with no problem. Yeah. And then, well, the, the, the head of the security, you know, he doesn't let them in. For, I'm, I'm not going to get into why, but then when you know they end up on the jumbotron, once they they get in, he's like, "Oh, not on my watch, buddy!" And so he's he's got to hunt hunt down all the old, the four old. I ladies. don't think we need to talk about this anymore. Why don't you just tell <laughs> tell us your grades for this? Because I think I have all right. An so idea. I will say this: there is an audience for this film. I, I completely agree. There is an audience for this film. I could see why we were not it. We were not it, but I could see <laughs> a certain part of the population really liking this movie. It's a safe film. Is there's nothing really bad about it. It's just if a certain age group want to go on like a little group date to go see this, yeah. there's nothing controversial about it, and it's about older people. Um, I mean, I would probably give it maybe a four. Yeah, that's kind of what I but, would do. But, but I could see how other people would. I, like I it. could see I could see a certain group really enjoying it. And I will say because. 
those of you that know my wife know that she never says anything negative about anyone ever or any or anything and she knows that you know the other girls really wanted to see this movie so i i said karen what'd you think about that movie and she goes uh you know no, I was like, enough said. Wow, that's so she hated it. <laughs> well, I and I asked Sandra, and yeah. she just said, "I thought it'd be funnier." Yeah, is what Sandra said. But okay. again, it had funny moments in it. Yeah, the, the stuff I will say, the stuff with Guy Fieri wasn't too bad. He, he was he was fine. Was it, it better than Triangle of Sadness? Yes, yes, <laughs> yes. Well, then maybe I'll watch it one day. Um, I mean, it was produced by Tom Brady, which I think you can yeah. kind of tell. Some of the um, stuff with the celebrities, like the, with the actual like players, yeah. some of that stuff was actually kind of funny. Yeah, and again, like I said, we're not, I think, the target audience for we're this not. film. Okay. Um, but and if, if, like I said, if someone told me they like this, I don't think I'd be able to really put up much of an argument. Yeah. I mean, if you like it, great. So if you're older, over sixty five, listen to this podcast. Maybe you, you give eighty for Brady a yeah. shot. Yeah. A shot. Yeah, and then come, let us know what you think about it. Yeah. All right. So. Uh... Yeah, and the last movie we're going to talk about here, I think I'm the only one I got to see it. Me and my wife went to go see Renfield, which I was very excited about. Nicolas Cage playing Dracula. It's yeah, a local I, film. So. It's a local film. Well, there's a lot of scenes in Mulots um, downtown, and um, it looked really funny. We went to see it. I was just kind of disappointed. I don't know. I, that it, sucks. It wasn't, you're it wasn't you're not the first person I've heard. It's That's... not terrible or anything, but it's just, I don't know. It's just, it was just missing something. I don't know what it was. It wasn't as funny as I hoped it would be. Renfield is very funny, but I guess when I saw the trailer, I was expecting Nicolas Cage to be funny. Renfield was the dude from the menu, right? Yeah. It's Nicholas Holt, right? Nicol- yeah. Nicole, yeah. Um, and Nicolas Cage just plays it like he's playing like a, like a mean Dracula character. And I mean, it's not really funny. It's funny that the fact that it is Nicolas Cage playing it because he's kind of become this kind of he's kind of become like a, a parody the, the of new himself. Christopher Walken Alec Baldwin type kinda. thing where it's just kind of a parody of himself. But um, Aquafina in it, I mean, like I, her lines is like it's like she's not meant to be funny and she's a comedic actress. It was just because Aquafina the past few years she's kind of grown on me, me too. Like me she too. was really good in Shang Chi. And... Yeah, and she wasn't bad in this movie. She, but I mean, like her character just. She had a couple of funny lines here and there, like a couple of sarcastic things, but she was like basically a cop that was trying to, there was like a lot of, uh, there's a, like a, a mob family that's kind of in, in, in town, and Renfield kills a few of the members of the mob just because he's bringing bodies back to Dracula. And she gets in the middle of this thing and there's a bunch of, you know, it's unbelievable that there would be corrupt people in the NOPD, but you know, <laughs> it, it is what it is. It's a movie. Well, it's a film. It's, so a, film. it's, it's a film. It's a Suspension yeah. of disbelief, right? Absolutely, absolutely. So... Yeah, it's. I mean, it just. Yeah. His, That's upsetting. The character of Renfield is funny, and there's a few scenes like you see in the trailer where he goes to like this uh this group. That yeah, oh yeah. Um, the support group. The support group, and some of the characters in there are funny, but they're it's kind of few and far between. It's extremely gory, like kind of over the. Top I expected that. Kind of funny, and I mean, it's not the worst thing I've ever seen. I would just, I don't know. I was like really excited. Are, are the funny things all in the trailer? A lot of them are. Yeah. yeah. Um. But yeah, I, I'd probably give it a. Probably give it like a six. Oh, so I mean, you'd still recommend it? Yeah, I mean, I didn't, I didn't hate it. It just, I was like, I, going into it, I was like, I was like ready to, for this movie to be like eight point five. No, yeah. it look, it just looked so funny, and Nicolas Cage's Dracula, everything it was gonna be great, but it just, it was just kind of, eh, it was fine. It crashed and burned at the box office. It did. Uh-huh. It did. But so, so you'll probably be seeing it on a streaming service pretty soon. Pretty soon, yeah. And I mean, 
if you want to see it. I mean, if you, especially if you're from the New Orleans area, yeah, you get to see a lot of things. There's a big thing where um, he they they hide out and Dracula hides out in the old abandoned charity hospital building. Okay. Oh. Which is smart because it's it's a big it's a big building that's just sitting there abandoned. Makes a nice little creepy. Uh, Does he go to setting. the former Jazzland site? No, <laughs> not that I noticed. Maybe that that'll be in Renfield too. There will not be a Renfield too. <laughs> Spoiler. No, I don't think there will be. So maybe that was the problem. Maybe they should have went to Jazzland. Maybe they should have. But anyway, don't really recommend. But I mean, at the same time, if you you know if you see the trailer and you're interested, it's just don't expect it to be as funny as you think it's going to be. All right, guys. Well, it's now time for us to nominate this week's awesome villager. Who you guys got? So I'm gonna uh, go with somebody who uh, I hope he really doesn't listen to this podcast, but at the same time I hope he does because I'm so I'm so cured. We're gonna nominate someone who I'm definitely afraid of. I'm gonna nominate Mr. Michael Shannon. You are. You are. Wow. And the reason I'm gonna nominate him is because I know how crazy he is. I know he's a demented individual because I've met him twice and both times. You know, you meet some a celebrity once, you're thinking maybe you're just having a bad day. Let me just say though, if you're if we're gonna ask him to come on the podcast later and you're already scared of him, you're not doing yourself any favors. I'm aware of this. That's why it's risky for me, but I'm gonna still do it anyway. Um, But the fact that like you know he you know he was General Zod, over the top dude. I mean that's not really that that's cool. But to play like a normal guy, a likable normal guy, like he does in Waco and Waco: The Aftermath, really shows that how great of an actor he is because he's not. A likable normal guy at all he's really creepy he's actually more like the character he played in shape of water that's more oh to... ripping his fingers off oh yeah, that, yeah. That, i would see i could see him doing that right now as we speak it wouldn't surprise me when you, didn't he go buy a cadillac he's yeah he did i forgot <laughs> about that um but man he's so good in this show and i i, I mean after the show is over, there's like, like if you recorded on in Showtime, I think it's like 55 minutes, but it ends at, at they're like 42 minutes. And everything after that is like interviews about what, what you know, the shows, the season's going to be about and everything. And I swear, the interviews he did, he's like, he just seems so down to earth and a cool dude. And he's not any of that. He's very pretentious and very psychotic and scary. But he is amazing as an actor, and I can't take that away from him, so... There you go. He just wanted to go to WrestleMania for his honeymoon. That, that may have been his peak. <laughs> I'm going to nominate Katie Sackhoff because as we spoke about The Mandalorian, the title of The Mandalorian this season might not have really been about Din Djarin or Grogu. It was more kind of focused on Bo-Katan Cruise. And I thought Katie Sackhoff, who voiced her in the animated show, like she did a great job uh, in this show. She was kind of a complex character. Yeah, absolutely. And, and I mean, I just I was kind of blown away. The last thing I really saw her in, that I saw her in, was when she played that weird character in the Flash series. Oh, yeah. And, and she she had this really awful British accent for I don't know why. There was no need for her character to be British, and it was terrible. She'll, and she has totally redeemed herself. She'll be known for her character as Starbuck on Battlestar Galactica. Yeah. But she's really good in this. Yeah. Yeah. And um, I was going back and forth, and I think I'm actually going to nominate Jonathan Frakes. Um I know this the show the title of it is Star Trek Picard, but I've never seen Jonathan Frakes act as well as he did. I don't think he mounted any chairs in this season. He did do the pose where he put you know the the kind of um, the Captain Morgan pose where he put the his leg up on the, mm-hmm. the 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 console 
of the Enterprise. But um, anyway, he's I think he's a great director. He directed a couple episodes in, in Picard. He's directed a lot of Strange New Worlds. He's kind of been kind of a good ambassador for Star Trek over the years. Like a lot of, you know, some people try to distance, distance themselves and not want to get typecast. It just seems like he has so much fun, you know, with, with the fans and stuff like that. But this season, I've never seen him act this well. Like all the scenes with him talking about kind of the tra- a, tra- a family tragedy with him and, um, and Dana Troy, you know, character from uh, Next Gen. Their scenes together... The scene, you finally get to see him as a full-out captain of a, of a starship, I, and I was just relishing it. I've always had a, a, been a fan favorite of uh, from of me for years, and I was just loving every minute of it. So I got to go with number one. So Jonathan Frakes is my nominee. Well, if I had to vote for somebody else, I would vote for Michael Shannon just because I want to see him come on this podcast. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I would vote for Katie Sackhoff. As, as would I. All right. Well, it's it's Katie Sackhoff. You know, and she's obviously welcome to come hang out with us whenever she wants. I don't know if she would lower herself to our standards. But Michael Shannon, you're still invited to come on the podcast. But he didn't win. But I'm still inviting him anyway. And if you could just come and just sit here and just stare into Ryan's eyes without talking, that would be great. Y'all make these comments, but I'm telling you, if y'all ever, y'all would be like saying, we, Ryan, we should have listened to you if he ever does show up. Maybe. But you know, hindsight's 2020. I mean, and I will. This is what I want now. Yeah, we're, we're, we're talking about Michael Shannon, though, like. Every year we watch. Me and my wife watch the night before. It's a great movie, and he is—he's so good. He's in so it. funny in that. And thing. I tell Ryan every year to watch it, yeah. and he still does it. But anyway, but but Katie Sackhoff won, and I think she's great. Like Starbuck, yeah, and animate. It's not easy going from animated to live action, and she did it. She did very it. easily. Yeah, yeah. Nice. very easily. All right, guys. Well, that's gonna be it for this week. Um, remember, you can find us on Spotify podcast podcasts, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and a host of other platforms. Um. We'll see you next week. And let us know how great this episode was without Greg, so yeah, we can it, tell him. We didn't have, we didn't have Greg, anyway, so it was just it was me. I'm John. I'm Glenn. I'm Ryan. All right. See you next week.